I have a message this morning that the Lord has given me, and uh, it's exciting. I had a good conversation. Actually, I had a great conversation with Vince this morning as well, and I'm like, he, he came to church full, and that's how we should come to church, full and giving out. Uh, the reason that we experience the things that we do here is because we come ready. We, we come full of the Lord. We come, uh, even if we have had a bad week, we come with the ability and willingness to listen. So openness, openness to each other, openness to the Lord. And it's an amazing experience. So keep it up. Keep bringing your testimonies. The message this morning is called Reaction or Revelation. So why do you do the things that you do? What controls your actions? Have you thought about that before? Do you think about it during the day? How often do you allow the word to question your motives? I think about this every time that I read Hebrews 4.12, and you guys can turn to that if you want. It should be up here. For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. I heard a man say one time, every action we take is either fueled by revelation or by reaction. So I'm going to challenge you this morning. I was really challenged by this message. The Lord has been asking me, what is causing the things that you do? And this actually comes from a message from Jason's dad. What causes you to doubt? What is the cause? What's the catalyst? Now, I have a, a story here. Greg Moore tells so many funny stories, and I just had to tell one of my favorite ones. Uh, it, it really illustrates cause and effect. Two rednecks are out hunting, and as they're walking along, they come upon a huge hole in the ground. They approach it and are amazed by the size of it. The first hunter says, wow, that's some hole. I can't even see the bottom. Wonder how deep it is. The second hunter says, I don't know. Let's throw something down there and listen and see how long it takes to hit the bottom. The first hunter says, there's this old transmission over here. Give me a hand. We'll throw it in and see. So they pick it up and count one, two, three, and throw it in the hole. They're standing there listening and looking over the edge, and they hear a rustling in the brush behind them. As they turn around, they see a goat come crashing through the brush, run up to the hole, and with no hesita hesitation, jump in head first. While they're standing there looking at each other, looking in the hole, and trying to figure out what that was all about, an old farmer comes walking up to them. Say there, says the farmer, you fellers didn't happen to see my goat around here anywhere, did you? The first hunter says, funny you should ask. We was just standing here a minute ago, and a goat come running out of the bushes, doing about 100 miles an hour, and jumped head first into this here hole. The old farmer says, why, well, that's impossible. I had him tied to an old transmission.
Yeah, visualize that for a little bit. I told my wife and she said, the poor goat. I can't tell you what was controlling that goat's actions. So then what is the main thing then that affects your actions? Every action that we take starts first as a thought or an idea in your heart. Are you living out of reaction to your circumstances or are you living out of revelation of the person and the presence of Jesus? This is why Paul tells us in Romans 12 too, to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Sometimes we don't like the idea that our heart and our mind controls so much of our natural circumstances. We want to look around at them and we want to blame our circumstances. Or we want to look around at people and blame people. There's a program in school that our kids are learning and it's three letters. E plus R equals O. They actually started this a couple years ago. And it's great. Event plus response equals outcome. I want you to remember this. Every situation you find yourself in, remember this equation. Because it is an equation. How do you change the outcome? The basis is, if you don't like your current outcome or experience, don't blame the event. Don't blame the thing that came against you. Change your response to the event, and you will see the outcome change. Where you're living right now is an outcome of past events and your responses. Past events and your responses. Could have just been a minute ago, or it could have been 10 years ago. Your response will continue to determine the outcome you live in every day. See, so many times we just want to look at, ah, this is tough, and we look at our current circumstance and we don't realize or we don't want to admit that it's been, it is a result of the decisions, the responses that we've been making. Reuben was a good example of this, uh, and you're, you're, you're talking about justice, you talk about being offended or not. The outcome would have been far different, Reuben, if you would have said, if you would have risen up and said, everybody behind me, family behind me, could have split the family over a Bible. Wouldn't have been a very nice situation. But your response changed everyone else's outcome as well. I want you to keep thinking about this and keep processing the things that you're living in now, the responses, what you, your current circumstances. So you always have a choice. You might say, well, that's easier said than done. But you always have a choice. You might even say, I had no choice. But I promise you, you had a choice. Everybody, you always have a choice. So let's look at this again. Are you living out of revelation of the Lord? Or are you living out of reaction to your circumstances? See, when we react, the most common thing that we try to do is to control either ourselves or others. We try to exert control over it. We establish punishment or rules. We establish law. And this is really where, if you look at any type of a religious uh, mindset, is we, we want to see the right outcome, and so we establish a set of rules that are supposed to bring that to pass. But how often have you seen that your rules or other people's rules have actually brought a true and effective change? It doesn't work. 
It never worked in the Old Testament. It didn't work in the law. It doesn't work for us today. Yes. You know, I think about this uh, when I think of grace itself. Grace, I don't know if this is the appropriate place to say this, but grace is a lot like alcohol. It just reveals what's currently there. See, people have been afraid of grace, saying, well, that's just a license to sin. But it's only a license to sin if you wanted to go sin. You know, you give a, you give a person alcohol. I've never, I've never been drunk, so I don't understand. I don't know how to relate to this exactly, but it's a truth serum. You get a man who is dealing with lust, and you give him a bunch of alcohol, and what's he do? He goes and hangs around all of the ladies. Why? Because that's what was in his heart to begin with. You get a person who tells a lot of lies, give them alcohol, they'll start telling you the truth. You go, whoa, is that true? Why? Because that's what's in there. You give a sinner grace, what's he going to do? He's going to go sin, because that's what's in there. See, it's all about the heart. Jesus said, if you look at a woman lustfully, you've already committed adultery. If you hate your brother, you have already committed murder. Why? Because that's what was in there. See, we look at the, the end result. We look at the outcome and we say, well, that's the problem. That's not the problem. You take the event of the person's heart and you add grace to it, you'll get a good outcome. Because we're changed from the inside out. You know, it is easier, or it seems easier, to to use control because we're used to dealing with the flesh, right? We, we, we're used to making ourselves or others or our kids or whatever, uh, making us do things. But control is simply the flesh's version of authority. It's not true authority. True authority exists only in and through the kingdom of God. See, we are given authority. But a lot of times we try to use control instead of authority. I'll give you an example of authority. There's an 18-wheeler flying down the highway. And I go out there and stand in the middle of the highway and do this. Good chance I don't have enough control to stop him by myself. I mean, I might think I do, but control isn't going to do it. But give me a badge and a flashing light, I can stop an 18-wheeler with authority. It's all about authority. It's not about control. See, this means we only govern our hearts if we acknowledge Jesus as the ultimate authority. We govern by his authority in our hearts, by submitting to him and to his authority. It's not about self-control on our own. See, self-control is a fruit of the Spirit that comes from him, not from us to him. If we simply make New Year's resolutions or try to force ourselves to abide by rules or try to control, we are actually elevating our own strength as the highest authority. These are... These are amazing statements, and the Lord's been giving me these statements. Like, I'm literally writing these things down saying, are you kidding me? This is awesome. Like, 
I'm reading what he told me, and I'm going, this is, this is right on. Because he's trying to get us to live through awareness of him in connection with him all the time. Jesus described his own authority very clearly in John 17, verses 1 through 3. It says, Jesus spoke these words, lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that your son also may glorify you. As you have given him authority over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. That is eternal life. You know, we think of eternal life as living forever. But, of course, yes, we do live forever, but it's only as a result of the eternal life force within us. It's not the end goal. Eternal life is a result. Jesus gave us eternal life, and what is eternal life? Knowing him. Knowing him in every situation we find ourselves in. Knowing him in affecting our are or our response to the event. We have an event come against us. Jesus said, in this world you will have trouble, but be of good cheer. I can help you have the right response. He says, be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. So why would the world determine your outcome? In uh, Verse 2, talking about eternal life. Verse 3, talking about knowing him. All of this works from Jesus as the foundation, and it works in every area of the kingdom of God. See, each person here has been given authority to, to establish the kingdom of God in your circle of influence. You've been given the authority of Jesus to establish the kingdom of God. But the kingdom of God does not come from your own authority. And if you do not establish it, you will see the outcome that comes from the world. All of this is empty if we don't personally know and experience Jesus daily. Now, I'm saying this, you know that it's true, but I'm asking you if you're doing it. I'm asking you, is this the case in your life? Look at the outcomes. Don't look at what you want to see. Look at what you are seeing. What is the outcome? Is your outcome a result? of your event plus revelation. See, R, E plus R equals O. Event plus R. Now, we could say response or revelation. Uh, the response would be reaction or revelation. Which one is it? E plus R. Event plus reaction equals a fleshly outcome. Event plus revelation equals kingdom outcome. This is simple stuff, but it's, it takes focus to see it in our life every day. When you have something that comes against you like that, Vince, where it's, it's a frustration, something happened, and you have to deal with it right in the moment. Actually, I have a story about that. Uh, you know, when, when someone comes against us, we have the, the possibility of offense or anger or things like that. But what about just something physical? So I had something happen where I got food poisoning. I 
ate something that it did not agree with my stomach. I woke up in the middle of the night and I had a bloated stomach and I, it was painful and I was afraid I wouldn't get to the, to the restroom in time because I felt like I was gonna throw up. I ran to the restroom and I'm hugging the uh, king's chair and different king, I guess. And I, I just knew I have to get this out of me. Like this is, this is not good. And I, and I, I'm in my own world. Okay. It's not a nice place to be if you've ever had this happen. But the Lord interrupted me, interrupted my thoughts. And he said, you know, you don't need to do this. <laughs> I said, excuse me? Could you elaborate, please? He said, bless it. And I said, okay, and I immediately, I knew I was getting a rainbow word from the Lord. I said, all right, food, you are good for me. I did this, put my hand on my stomach. I said, food, you are good for me. Toxins, I cancel your assignment on me in Jesus' name. Just like that. Just like somebody deflated a balloon. I mean, within two seconds, no pain, no feel like throwing up or anything. I got up and went to bed. See, I blessed it. I did what he said. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. I lived by the word he gave me, but see, I had to believe it. I had to change my response and act by revelation. When I woke up in the morning, I had this, <gasps> how am I going to feel? I sat up in bed, my stomach growled. I was like, oh, yes. I went and ate bacon and eggs and a big breakfast. And it was gone, completely gone, just like that by revelation. So many times we think, it's all up to me. I have to figure this out. See, the Lord interrupted my thoughts in that moment, but I could have asked as well. I should have asked. And I found that I, in situations where I don't know how to get the answer, I have asked for a word. I've asked for revelation. So many times, if, if there's something I couldn't find, I needed to find something. And I said, I could get frustrated, dig around and angry about this. Or I stop and I say, Lord, reveal this. Show me where this is. Then I'll speak to the thing and I'll say, hey, you thing that I need, you reveal yourself. I've had it happen so many times where the Lord, he interrupts me and he says, are you going to ask me for help? Are you going to ask me for a word? Are you going to ask for revelation? If there's anything that you could take away from this, it's that. Go to him. Take every situation to him. Even if it's not a situation. What about taking every thought captive? 2 Corinthians 10 Verse 3 says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but are mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, 
casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. So do you want to know how to do E plus R equals O? Take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. If there's a temptation you have, take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. If there's an attack that happens, take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. If there's a physical thing that happens, take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Proverbs says, guard your heart, keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it flows the issues of life. Out of your heart is where the issues of life flow. The issues of life are the outcome. Keep your heart with all diligence, for your outcome is determined by that. Where are the thoughts? Where are your deepest thoughts? Are they in your brain or in your heart? Not a trick question if you look at the first verse we read. The word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, even to the dividing of soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the brain. No, is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Your heart is a thinking organ. That's why when the Lord wants to speak to you, you feel it come from here. When you have your own thoughts, they come from here. Let your heart be governed by the word, by him, the person of Jesus, the word. See, he gives us a word because he is the word. We go to the word, we go to him. The wonderful thing is that he's promised to never leave us or forsake us. In Hebrews 4, it says that he is our compassionate high priest. He does understand what you're going through. He does. Far more than you probably ever come to grips with, he understands. So take it to him. Take every thought to him. Instead of believing that he's looking for, for reasons to punish us and then hiding or, or staying away from him, we should run directly to him, no matter what we or what other people or circumstances have done. See, religion will tell you to run away from God because he's going to punish you, because there's rules you broke, because there's something you did that, that is a cause of punishment on you. And he says, come to me. Come to me. The mercy seat is open all the time. His mercies are new every morning. This is why the grace of God is so important, because he gets it. He understands. He says, come to me, and I will help you out of it. Our son, uh, Caleb, he's always a jokester, and, and just, like, he's a, he's a great, great young man. But there's been times where they, him and his friends try and get a reaction out of me. You know, they're, they're like heading off to, they're going to go to BW3s or something. And, and I would say, hey, where are you going? And he would go, we're going to go rob banks and do drugs. <laughs> and 
My response, and I know the Lord gave this to me just like that. I said, okay, make sure you get back here because you're going to have some consequences and I'll help you deal with them. And he's like, that's no fun. Because <laughs> he wanted me to be like, oh, really? No, he, I want him to come back to me. Because I'm his father. I care about him. Our father wants us to come to him when we've made mistakes. He does not condemn us. He says, let me help you out of it. When I wrecked the snowmobile, it wasn't even a sin. It was just a foolish mistake. And he said, it's okay. It's okay. Come. I'll bring healing to you, and I'm going to pay for the snowmobile. That's his grace. Why are people afraid of grace? Because they don't know him. They don't know the king of grace. When they know him, when you know him, you know. He's not giving you a license to do something you shouldn't do. He's giving you the freedom to not have to do that. He's helping to reveal what's in there so that you can make the change. So that you can make the change not by exerting control over yourself, but by receiving the revelation of him and how he helps us change from the inside out. True change should be effortless. Change on the outside is only an evidence of change on the inside. Why do, we, why do we change what we wear just to look right? Why do we change how we act or the words we say just to have the right response? When if the right response is already inside, that is what you will find. That is what grace reveals. That's the wonderful thing about grace. It reveals what's really there. Same thing with offense. Offense can never be given. It can only ever be taken. I dare you try to give me offense. I won't take it. And if I say something that is offensive to you, I didn't give it to you. I simply revealed an offense that was already in your heart. It's already there. I just showed you. So if I stepped on your toes, had this conversation this morning, if I stepped on your toes, it's because your toes were out there. They needed stepped on. So receive it. Receive it and let it, let it change you from the inside out. And I see that here. I see open hearts, willingness to change, willingness to receive it, willingness to say, wait a minute. I, I, I do need that. That's what's we, what we're experiencing, Vince. We get here and we go, man, I'm not the only one that's really excited about making changes. One of the most exciting things for me is to find out what I'm wrong about. Because all it takes is humility, saying I was wrong, and I'm now better. Just like that. Now I learned. Now I can move on and I can be more like him. Your outcome changes by knowing Jesus. The, rev the very revelation of the person of Jesus is knowing him is eternal life. Knowing him is eternal life. Knowing him is eternal life. Keep that in your heart. The eternal life force of him is by knowing him. See, he says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. 
right? If any man will open up, I will come into him and sup with him or have dinner or have coffee. You know, that verse was not spoken to unbelievers. That's not an evangelistic verse. It was spoken to the church. It was spoken to believers. He's knocking. He's saying, I want to come in. He's always pressing his power, pressing his goodness, pressing his grace into your life. And it takes surrender to him. The moment we surrender, we open up and he comes in. And change begins to happen in your heart. And then it begins to evidence in your outcome or in your life. Jesus gave us the responsibility to expand the kingdom of God by making disciples. But we cannot make disciples until we know him personally and until we know the authority that he carries. See, it's back to authority again. We have authority on the earth if we choose to use it. But it's not on your own. It's not something you've determined or you've built up or you've become good enough for. It's authority given to us by Jesus, by revelation, by knowing him. So I want to ask you this again. What's your R? Are you living out of a reaction to your circumstances? Or are you living out of revelation of the person and presence of Jesus himself? Look at your circumstances, look at your response, and see the outcomes. Look at the outcome and realize the change needs to happen in your response by revelation. So this is my challenge to you today. I woke up this morning and I was just laying there just aware of the presence of the Lord, listening, thinking, and he said, you're doing this. He confirmed it. Because there's some situations where I could have a different response. Now, my question to him is, reveal to me everywhere that I'm not. Reveal it to me. Lay my heart bare. Open me up. Show me. I actually had a vision of this one time. I was in the presence of the Lord. And I was, I was asking him why I was experiencing this certain thing. And all at once I, could, I saw this beautiful plowed field. And he said, this is your heart. It's good soil. But as I started to look, there were these big rocks. And there was a word on the rock. <laughs> I didn't like that. Because, well, I, I did then, but, I mean, he laid me bare. He said, that's it right there. You deal with that. Get the rock out of your field. Let me get the rock out of your field is what he was telling me. So that's my challenge to you. Ask him what's in your heart. Ask him to reveal your heart. Be open. He's good. He's so good. He's eternally good. And he wants to help change the outcome. That's what testimonies... Testimonies are, are the outcome that we, we look at and we see the person that we go, oh, how did that happen? That person must be perfect. No, that person simply chose the right response. 
Because when the outcome is a visible demonstration of the kingdom of God, that is what brings glory to God. We had so many stories of needing to choose a specific response. When I was going to Bible college, even uh, before, I, before I went, the things that, that the Lord asked me to do, and then even as we were there, there was some of them very small, but story after story after story. And the only reason it's a story is because he gave a revelation on the response to have, and we did. We did that. Now, not every time. But the times we did are the testimonies that we have. Because we chose to live out of revelation, and sometimes we didn't know from one moment to the next how it's going to happen. When we moved, we didn't have a house to move to. And as the dad, the father, the husband, you know, all that, I felt responsible, but the Lord had given me a revelation of a house. I had seen it, and he had told me, this is yours. So I could choose to live out of that revelation, or I could choose to react. We had all of our stuff in a cargo trailer, pulling behind a minivan, and seven people in the van. Got to the end of our driveway, and no house to drive to in Colorado. So I called my friend who lives in the Springs and I said, is there any chance we can like come to your place when we get there? <laughs> and he said, yeah, it's no problem. We're not even home. You can just stay at our house. Here's the code. Make yourself at home. So we drove to his house. Still no place to go. We had plenty of opportunities to respond in fear, try to fix it, try to come up with something on our own. And yet, there was a deeper peace that the Lord had given us a house. And he did. Fast forward a couple days, whatever, and some major things that happened, but the guy that we were able to stay at his house that we rented from, he called me and he said, Hey, are you sitting down? Because he had not been free to, do, to, to rent us this house. And I said, I don't need to sit down. I know what you're going to say. And he said, I can rent you the house. Like, as long as you want, and I'm going to charge you half. Really nice place. But the Lord had already shown me, and we had to live by that. We had to get to the end of our driveway and not freak out. We had to get out to Colorado and not freak out. We had to be willing to live in a hotel if we needed to, if we didn't see the, everything just come and happen as we wanted it to. As it, sometimes you might be standing on the brink, on the edge, and you go, this is death. And he says, he who is willing to lose his life for my sake in the gospel will find it. But he who seeks to save his life or seeks to protect himself and create something that feels safer will lose what I've provided. So allow him. Allow him to give you revelation. Go to him and ask him for a word. So this message is simple. Keep it in your heart. All week. Keep it as long as you can. 
Ask him to help you retain it the rest of your life. E plus R equals O. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your love and your grace, and thank you that you, you are so full of understanding and, and mercy toward us. Thank you that you give us the freedom to come to you at all times, at any time. You've promised to never leave us or forsake us. You've given us your Holy Spirit as the empowering and the ability to hear your voice. You've given us your grace and your forgiveness and your favor. Thank you that you are not in any way struggling through the circumstances that we find ourselves in because you have revelation. And that when we ask you, you said that you will give to us freely and openly, you will give us wisdom and revelation and understanding. So Father, this morning, as we go from here, I ask that our hearts would be drawn to you. Lord Jesus, that we would come to you daily, multiple times a day, that we would be in your presence, that we would know you, and that we would find you as our word, that you would be the word in our lives. You would give us revelation so that we could have the right response to the events in our lives. Father, we honor you, and we pray all of these things in the name of your Son, Jesus. Amen. Thank you. You are all dismissed, I guess. I didn't feel like the Lord wanted me to do anything else, so uh, I want you guys to be able to tell your testimonies to each other. Tell each other what's going on. And listen to the Lord if he's speaking to you through, through another brother or sister. Because that's what happens here. There's people listening, hearing the voice of the Lord. You have an open heart and listen too. If the Lord gives you a word for someone, give it to them. Because that's partially the revelation comes through us or through the word. So listen and tell your testimonies to each other. Thank you. Thank you.